From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, God Only You Can Trust. The text is found in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Why, cries one, this is no promise of God. Just so. But it was a promise of man, and therefore it came to nothing. Peter thought that he was saying what he should assuredly carry out. But a promise which has no better foundation than a human resolve will fall to the ground. No sooner did temptations arise than Peter denied his master and used oaths to confirm his denial. What is man's word? An earthen pot broken with a stroke. What is your own resolve? A blossom? which, with God's care, may come to fruit, but which, left to itself, will fall to the ground with the first wind that moves the bough. On man's word, hang only what it will bear. On thine own resolve, depend not at all. On the promise of thy God, hang time and eternity, this world and the next, thine all, and the all of all thy beloved ones. This volume is a checkbook for believers, and this page is meant as a warning as to what bank they draw upon and whose signature they accept. Rely upon Jesus without limit. Trust not thyself nor any born of woman beyond due bounds, but trust thou only and wholly in the Lord.
Over the years that Let the Bible Speak has been on the air, we've had many encouraging letters, emails, and phone calls from listeners who have been blessed through this ministry. Every week sees a number of requests for the literature and other items that we offer on each broadcast. Those responses have warmed our hearts and encouraged us greatly. As we come to the close of another year, it may be that you would like to share what the Lord has done for you or how He has blessed you through these daily Christ-centered programs. We would welcome such testimonies. You may be sure that there will be no follow-up calls or emails, nor will your information be shared with anyone outside this ministry. If you care to send us your testimony of how the Lord has used Let the Bible Speak in your life, simply email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or call us 
at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We look forward to hearing from you. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns begins his second of two messages entitled, The Divine Teacher. In expounding Matthew chapter 13, Dr. Cairns is emphasizing the great aspects of Christ's teaching. He always dealt with eternal truth, bringing people face to face with the ultimate matters of life and death. At this point in his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus began to teach in parables, As Dr. Cairns will demonstrate, parables were a method of judgment. Christ opened the truth to those who truly sought it. To others, parables made the darkness of unbelief even darker. As the Apostle Paul wrote, To the one, the gospel is the savor of life unto life. To the other, it is the savor of death unto death. Now Dr. Cairns continues to look at the Lord Jesus Christ as the divine teacher. Now we're turning this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, as we continue with our studies in the life of Christ. This is a chapter that has in it a number of parables. The Lord Jesus Christ gave these parables And he did so with very particular reasons. Now, in the life of Christ, we're not expounding his sayings and his miracles, or should I say his sermons, except insofar as they throw light upon his person and his history. And I was going to leave out the parables here altogether, but realize that that would be a mistake because one of the outstanding things about the ministry of the Lord Jesus is not only what he taught, but how he taught it. And in Matthew 13, you have seven of his parables, which he taught to the people. Now, in looking at him as the divine teacher, we have noted that he dealt exclusively with great truths and that he presented those truths through the parables in an unforgettable manner. And I pointed out particularly the, the basis upon which he employed parables, that he wasn't just some clever individual who could see some uh, fanciful connection between things, but that his use of parables is one that 
shows him to be the Lord, both of creation and of redemption, the only one who has the authority to ascribe to creation its true meaning and to redemption its true meaning. Now, having shown the basis upon which the Lord Jesus used his parables, we're now going to turn back to Matthew chapter 13 to consider a question that was placed by the disciples to Christ and his answer to the question. Verse 10, the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his precious word for his name's sake. The question the disciples ask is simple to ask, but it is so profound in its implications that I must confess I have really no hope of plumbing the depths of the Savior's response. It is certainly a very far-reaching question. It's one of those things you can read over very simply in the Bible, not let it sink in. The Lord Jesus came and he taught the people in parables. And then in private, he explained the parable to his chosen disciples. And as he did so, those disciples asked him, why? Do you teach the people in this manner? Why do you choose parables to teach the people? It's obvious that he was actually speaking to these people, that he was actually intending to carry a message to these people. It's obvious he intended to teach and to instruct 
And yet the fact stands, he spoke in parables and privately gave the interpretation. Why did he do it? You may think that you have a very ready answer to that. The usually accepted answer, this is the reason we barely ever even ask the question or pay attention to the fact that it was asked, the usual answer is, in our own minds, well, he taught by parables because they were, if we could say, a childishly minded people, and therefore he was making the message as simple and plain and clear and unmistakable as possible. That's why he taught in parables, so that even people who were dull of hearing would be able to understand them. Among all the possible answers, I don't think there's one that's further from the truth. And if you want to see how far from the truth, you've only got to start reading the parables again. For example, I pointed out to you the parable of the hid treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. How many, how many sermons have been preached upon Christ as the great treasure hid in the field? We go, as it were, to dig him up. We sell everything to purchase that treasure. How many sermons have been preached on Christ as the pearl of great price? And again, we sell everything that we have in order to purchase Christ. I must say that I don't entirely cast out every such use of the parables. Even Mr. Spurgeon, if my memory is right, preached on Christ as the pearl of great price. There is something in that description that seems automatically to fit Christ. There's something there that our hearts respond to. But I have to say, we are recasting the figure of speech. We are recasting the parable in a way in which it was not originally meant. It is true that to us Christ is precious and it's worth losing everything to get to Christ. That's true. It's not the truth that the parable's teaching. The parable's teaching the very opposite. Amazing as it is, we are the pearl of great price. Vile, guilty, rotten, filthy, hell-deserving sinners as we are. Miracle of miracles. God looked on us as the pearl of great price and it was Christ who gave up everything to purchase us. So the parables aren't as simple as they appear. And of course, if you ever get to the parable of the unjust steward, you'll find that when you've said everything you know and you've read everything that everybody else has ever come to know, you still have a few questions outstanding. So it would be foolish to say he told parables because they were so simple and everybody would immediately pick up on their meaning. So why did he do it? 
Well, the Lord Jesus Christ gives the answer in verses 10 through 17, and then again 34 and 35. These things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter uh, things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now, there's a lot of debate over the precise meaning of the words that we have read in Matthew 13 this morning, uh, especially because when you turn to Mark and Luke, their version of the language of Christ is even stronger than that of Matthew. Follow me carefully here. In Matthew 13, Jesus says, verse 13, I speak unto them in parables because they see not. And hearing they hear not, they don't understand. Because sinners do not see, I speak unto them in parables. I'll come back to that because later on. But Mark and Luke say, I use parables in order that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not perceive or understand. Now, there's a big difference. Matthew says, because they don't see, I teach in parables. Mark and Luke say, in order that they may not see, I teach in parables. And yet Mark adds in chapter 4, verse 33, that with many such parables uh, spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. Now what we've got to do is put together all the evidence of the Savior's response. I will confess right at the beginning that most interpreters are not willing to give to the words of Christ their natural force. And interpreters go all around the world trying to deny the obvious. You cannot get away from the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ's teaching of par in parables was, to a large extent, to the general population, a method of judgment. Can't get away from that. But many interpreters are not willing to allow the force that is natural to the words that Jesus said, according to Mark and Luke, that in order that they may not see, I am employing parables. But then on the other hand, there are people who press the case in the opposite direction, and they go far too far. And they fail to recognize the words that I've quoted from Mark 4.33, that he did speak to them as they were able to hear it. Uh, we're not going to follow all the reasonings of various men. I don't have time for that today. I printed out uh, for my own use the views of a lot of learned men. And then, uh, having printed it all out, and having benefited, I must say, from some of it, I, I just screwed it all up in a ball and filed it in the waste bin because I found, for the most part, I was better off just going to what the Bible said. 
And as I look at this, I find that the Lord Jesus Christ had various purposes in mind in using parables. To the crowd, he told the parables. To the disciples, or if I could describe the same people from a different angle, to those who came inquiring, who had a heart to know the parables, to them he added the divine interpretation. John Calvin was right on the truth when he said, it follows that by divine appointment, the doctrine of salvation is not proclaimed to all men for the same end or purpose, but it is so regulated by his wonderful purpose that it is no less a savor of death unto death to the reprobate than a life-giving savor to the elect. As 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 tells. And in order that no one may dare to murmur, Paul declares in that passage that whatever may be the effect of the gospel, its savor, though or even when deadly, is always a sweet savor to God. In other words, God has a dual purpose, and Christ had a dual purpose in preaching the gospel. It is a purpose to the world in general. It is to his chosen church in particular. The purpose to the one is not the purpose to the other. It is to give them all the truth. But in such a way as it will be to his people. A savor of life unto life. To those who are reprobate. Don't forget the basis of reprobation is, or should I say, at the heart of reprobation lies condemnation, and the basis of condemnation is sin. To them it is a savor of death unto death. So the point I want to make this morning is simply this, that in stating his reasons for teaching by parables, the Lord Jesus Christ shows himself to be the sovereign who dispenses his salvation according to his will. And yet who holds sinners responsible for their sin and for its consequences. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. 
That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak.